That is next week. Pastor Glenn is gonna be bringing it with Under Construction. It's a series that really helps us start the new year in a great, great way. So it's gonna be wonderful. Don't miss it. Invite your friends. But I have a question for you. What'd you get for Christmas? Anybody wanna tell me? Kitchen stuff. Kitchen stuff. Very nice. Anyone else? A relationship, did I hear somebody say? Wow, oh, with your son, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. I, well, yeah, I can't top that. I, I got some good presents. Um, people know what I like in my family. I got marzipan. Oh, marzipan, if you don't know what that is, that's all right, don't find out, leave more for me. It's a delicious candy, I love it. And also, raw cashew butter. I got two jars of raw cashew butter like my favorite thing in the whole world. But one of my favorite presents for Christmas was being able to attend the Christmas Eve services here at Countryside. Wow. I was, and I got to go to all four. I was at the 11 o'clock, I'm like, I'm ready for more. This was amazing. I just wanna let you know, you know, a lot of times when you do productions like that, you, you bring them in from other churches that have had success or created. This was all in-house, there was a team that was put together, but I wanna tell you who led this team, whose idea this was, kudos to our worship pastor, Elena Williams, for thinking of this and putting it together. If you see her, thank her for all her effort and work and creativity in this. It was just really fun. Well, I wanna welcome all of those of you who are watching online, we have people watching from all over the world. You are part of this family. We love you and God bless you. Can we welcome those who are watching online? Now, as, as you saw, Pastor Glenn, he's actually out right now. I think he's on his way back from West Virginia with, uh, with the teens and the ski trip uh, in two vans uh, full of teenagers. So let's pray for his protection and also for his nerves. Father, we just wanna thank you for our pastor. We love with all of our heart what a leader he is. We pray that you would, we thank you for your protection over those vans and driving and all the people on the road. And also, Father, for, for Pastor Glenn as he's with all those teens and a couple vans driving from West Virginia, that you just help him to breathe deep, Lord, and give him peace in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, no, he loves it, he's having a great time. You ready to get into his word? Okay, me too. So Peter, I'm talking about the apostle Peter here. He was Jesus's constant companion over those three years of Jesus's earthly ministry. This is the Peter who witnessed Jesus being arrested. He grieved over Jesus's death. And then he interacted with Jesus at length after Jesus rose from the dead. Peter, who personally witnessed the Lord's ascension into heaven. And now, he sits down to write a letter to Christians, many of whom never met Jesus in the flesh. Now many of these Christians that he was writing to were not even Jewish, but they had heard the good news, they received God's gift of forgiveness through Jesus Christ, and now, because of that, many of them were being tortured, some of them even killed for their faith by the Roman authorities. And Peter is writing to them in these circumstances, 
1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and underline this next part, the rest of the sentence, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. And then he says, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That phrase, rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory is our text today. The word rejoice here, he's talking about an active enjoyment. The word there is agalio in the Greek, and it means lots of glad jumping. You know, I, I think of my daughter Gwendolyn when she was four years old. I remember one time I took her and her brother Destin to Dunkin' Donuts. They get anything they wanted. And we were waiting in line and I look over at her, and this is my reserved one, right? She's the one that's always contemplating in her mind. She's always thinking about things. You give her a stack of books, she's happy. I mean, she's just very reserved, even when she was four years old. And I look over at her, and she's doing this. I'm like, are you okay? She goes, I'm so excited, I'm so excited. It was so much excitement, she couldn't contain it. It actually turned into jumping up and down. And that's what this word here in the Greek is referring to, lots of glad jumping. So these Christians, this is what doesn't make sense. These Christians are being tortured and killed, and yet Peter says that they're jumping up and down with, not with happiness, but with joy. So joy clearly means something other than pleasant feelings about their circumstances, because their circumstances were not good. And this brings us to our first point, joy over happiness. So let's distinguish the two. Happiness is the feeling you get when good things happen. Nothing wrong with it. That's why it's called happiness. There's, you know, unexpected money in the Christmas card. Wow. That makes me happy. There's no line at the grocery store. I'm happy. My 14-year-old son, Destin, just walked the dog without being asked. Happy. He walks the dog all the time without being asked, but it makes me happy. But, but what if there's a long line at the store? Or what if the dog had an accident on the carpet? Well, then I'm not happy because I didn't like what happened. It's the old story of the man who went on a, on a long journey and he left his three adult sons to take care of the house that he just put, put on the market for sale. And he returns from his journey and he drives up to the house and he looks and it's burning to the ground. And so he cries out in misery. But the first son comes running up to him and says, Dad, Dad, it's okay. The house sold yesterday. <laughs> and now he's happy. And he's rejoicing. He's, oh, this is great. I'm so happy. And then the second son comes to him and says, Dad, Dad, yeah, it sold yesterday, but it was just a deposit. The guy's not obligated. And suddenly... 
He is in grief again. He's miserable. Circumstances have just changed. And then the third son came to him and said, Dad, Dad, I just got off the phone with a guy. He said, he knows the house is burning down, but he's a man of his word. He's going through with the sale. Hallelujah. Oh, this is wonderful. Now, he's happy. Fireman walked by. Says, uh, you know who owns the house? He's like, not me. Why? And the fireman says, no, we just were looking for the owner because we were able to, to find and rescue. There's this big metal box behind one of the walls. It's full of diamonds and gold. Must be millions in there. <laughs> you see, sometimes we live our lives this way. Is it our, our feelings and our mood? Everything shifts on the basis of whatever happens to be going on at the moment. And if something really good is happening, then, then we're happy and excited. If something bad is happening, then we're miserable. And the Bible gives us something, it's an antidote to this. If you look at your notes, happiness is a fruit of circumstance. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So if you look at it in this way, joy is not an emotional response. It's a virtuous character trait. It's a virtuous character trait. Listen to what Habakkuk says in his book, chapter three. <clears throat> Bad things are going on here. Let's see how he responds. He says, though the fig tree should not blossom, bad thing, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. So let me ask you this. Is expressing joy when things are not going well, is that fake? Is expressing joy when you're feeling sad is it fake? Because we gotta be authentic, we wanna be real. Well, if we look at joy as a character trait rather than a feeling, we understand this better. I wanna look at another character trait that we all kind of admire, and that's kindness. How many of you think kindness is a good character trait in here? Good, most of you, the rest of you, I'm not sure about you, but no. Kindness, it's a good character trait, we all agree with that. So let's say, when you're feeling especially kind one day, you walk outside, lady's walking her puppy, and you go to the puppy, oh, it's a nice puppy, here's a treat. The next day you're not feeling so kind, lady walking her puppy, you look and you go, kick it. <laughs> no, you would never do that, would you? Didn't matter how you were feeling, you're not gonna kick a puppy. Because it's not based on how you feel that day. It's a character trait, a virtuous character of kindness. Regardless of feeling, you're gonna treat that puppy with kindness, and it's the same thing with joy. Joy is not something that has to depend on how you're feeling at the moment. It's something that can be in your countenance and your actions no matter what. Terrible circumstances can block momentary happiness, but circumstances can never block joy. Now, sin blocks joy, it does. Sin blocks joy. But when you're focused on Christ, joy follows. 
best example of, of joy that I know is my wife, Thalia. Some of you have not seen Thalia yet because both services, especially second service, she's in the early childhood area. She's directing the nursery. She's our director over there. But everybody that knows her sees her joy. She's the one that looks like Tinkerbell. She does, she looks just like Tinkerbell. I had my kids convinced she was Tinkerbell when they were little. It was a fun thing I did with them. Anyway, I know, bad dad. And so she retired and then she, when she married me and then she became human, you know, they, they believed it. It's terrible. But she looks just like her. She's full of joy everywhere she goes. And this is why, listen, when she started as early childhood director over there about nine months ago, and when she started, she had 40 dedicated, wonderful people serving with her. So how in nine months did she go from 40 people serving to 140 people serving? How did that happen? It's because everybody wants to be around her. She creates this environment of joy, and this is not really in my notes, this is like an extra thing for free, but when you have joy, people wanna be around you. People wanna be around you, it's true. So I guess she's got a 140, she'll take more by the way, enjoying the party. Sometimes I see her and the ladies over there and I'm like, is this just like one big party you guys are having all the time? They have so much fun. I don't know how that works, but she makes it work. Joy over happiness. Rejoice with joy, Peter said. The second point is silence over speaking. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, he says to rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. Inexpressible. And the word there, inexpressible, means to which words are inadequate. Something that's nonverbal, you can't speak it, this kind of joy. Now, okay, joy. Is this just really something that is miraculous and it makes no sense because we live in this world of death and cancer and pain and heartache? Well, if we see death and pain and heartache as the big picture, then joy is pretty odd. But death and pain and heartache are not the big picture. This is the big picture. Forgiveness, eternal life, membership in the Creator's own family through Jesus, and new life now for those who accept Jesus. I mean, there's no amount of misery that can hold a candle to this big picture reality. The joy is too big. So Peter said that it is inexpressible. I can try to describe it, but I can't because the enormity of what we've been given is too big to express. So we're far more successful when instead of talking about joy, we live it. We live joy, we live it with our countenance. We live it with the way we treat people. We live it with our thankful perspective. In other words, we show it. It can be wordless if you look in your notes. Joy is one of those things that can only be shown, not spoken, not spoken. I remember a while ago, I was in my favorite coffee shop where I like really strong coffee. And normally I drink my coffee black, but this time I decided, you know, I'm gonna do something different, put a little cream and honey in my coffee just to change things up. So I go to the counter and I take the lid off and I put a little honey in and a little cream in. 
and I go to put the lid back on and, and just kind of smash it in. Sometimes I don't know my own strength. And the, the big cup collapsed. Coffee everywhere, coffee on me, coffee on the counter, coffee on the condiments and the, the sugars and everything. I mean, there's just coffee everywhere. And so I asked for a towel and I'm cleaning it up. And after I finished cleaning up, I hear this voice behind me from this old voice behind me on a table sitting there. This couple was sitting there. And the lady says, young man. I like being called young man, by the way. <laughs> I hear it less and less. Brings joy to my heart. Anyway, happiness. But anyway, she says, young man, can we talk to you for a moment? And I walked over there. She said, we just want to commend you because in all our lives, we've never seen an accident like that happen without bad words coming out. <laughs> and you were just quiet. And were you humming? I was just... And I'm like, no, well, it wasn't me. It was, it was Jesus. It was Jesus in me. They gave me a weird look. But that's okay. I gave Jesus the glory and they appreciated it. And they knew that the only time they ever saw that happen in their life, it wasn't because of a human. It was because of God. There was joy in silence. <laughs> Max Lucado, I like what he says. He says, you be Lord and I'll be quiet. <laughs> it's good. Now, being busy does not block your joy. It doesn't. Too much noise blocks joy. Lack of silence blocks joy. Because it's in times of silence that we can hear the voice of God. In our prayer times, it's easy to fill it up with our requests. But how valuable is the time of quiet listening? I want to take just a few seconds together now just to be quiet before the Lord. Would you join me? Was that you, Lord? Sometimes when you're silent like that, something amusing happens. People start to giggle. It's totally appropriate. You know, Jesus, I think, had a great sense of humor. And funny things happen to Jesus. You know, we know that in Jesus' life, the Gospels say that from time to time, almost daily, he would just go by himself in the mountain to pray. I think I agree with the theologian Chesterton that sometimes he was going up there to laugh with the Father because funny things kept happening. Just as one example, you remember that time when James and John were brought by their mother to Jesus because she was asking them you know, to like, make them in charge? You remember, it doesn't say how she brought them, but I imagine like she's got them by the earlobes. It's like, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, would you put one of these on your right and one of these on your left? And Jesus has got to respond to this. I mean, Mrs. Zebedee wants to be in charge of the seating arrangements in the throne room. <laughs> and to his credit, you know, Jesus responded very respectfully. He saved their face for them. He asked them a question and he says, this is up to the Father to decide. But inside, what's he thinking? 
he's visualizing up there in the throne room. And remember, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, according to the scriptures. And Mrs. Zebedee is there. Okay, here's, okay, John, you're over. And James, you're between the Father and Jesus. So can you move over, Father? I, you know, it's hilarious. So Jesus, I don't know, but maybe he's like, <coughs> I, I gotta go up to the mountain. <laughs> and he's laughing with the Father. Did you set this up? It's hilarious. Things constantly. God has a sense of amazing humor. It's okay to laugh with God. He created the duck-billed platypus. <laughs> he obviously has a sense of humor. He made lightning bugs. So the God who made a bug's butt lighting up a source of wonder can certainly do something wonderful with you. Amen? So... <laughs> So a posture of silent listening helps us to hear God's voice. It helps us to get the joke. It helps us to sense his peace and to see with his perspective. I wanna challenge you to secret listening quiet prayer. Now in our 21 days of prayer that we have coming up, we'll include corporate prayer with that. On our Wednesday nights, we'll get together, we'll pray together, and that is so powerful, and it's so important. The Bible says that it's necessary to gather together. And when two or more are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. But secret, personal, quiet prayer is also very important. You don't have to fill the whole time with your requests. He loves to hear your requests. But spend some of that time listening. Don't tell anybody you're doing it. Make it a secret. Your family doesn't even have to know. You get up so early in the morning. No, I'm just relaxing. Spend the time with him. He honors that. He'll do powerful things for your joy in your life. So joy over happiness. Peter says rejoice with joy. Silence over speaking because Peter said it's inexpressible. And finally, glory over shame. Because in that same verse eight, he said this joy is, and we will be filled with glory. So let's talk about shame for a moment. What is shame? Shame comes when you know that you're going to be judged by your worst moments. You know, the person that says, well, you know, you may come off as a good person, but I know who you really are. You have those people in your life that they remember from when, whatever it was, when you were you know, 20 years ago, two years ago, three weeks ago, when you did something lousy, and that's how they define you, and they still see you in the light of that. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's parents, maybe it's old friends. And that's shame. That's being judged by your worst moments. Shame can never overcome the past and shame blocks joy. Glory is different. There are actually three defining aspects to this word glory in the New Testament, but today we're only gonna focus on one of them and that's the aspect that is opposite of shame. And that's good report. Good report, approval. I'm gonna give you a couple of scriptures. It's not on the screen or in your notes, so just listen to this about glory. Colossians chapter three, verse four. Paul writes, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. 
And then Jesus himself says in John 17, 22, I have given them, he's talking about all of us here, the glory you, Father, gave me so that they may be one as we are one. So glory in this sense, the opposite of shame is approval. You experience the approval of the Father just as if you had lived the perfect life of Jesus. Because when he died for you, Jesus, Jesus became the lens through which God sees everyone who believes on him. He has forgiven you. He approves of you. And Pastor Tim, I'm still imperfect. True. But you're reckoned righteous as Christ. And the life of Christ that now is inside of you will make you day by day more like him in your daily experience. But your imperfections are not the basis of God's opinion of you. The basis of God's opinion of you is what Jesus has done for you. If you look at your notes, the two greatest words you will ever hear in your immortal life are well done, well done. We all, we all know shame, we all experience embarrassment. We have these things in our lives that Remind us of being, have you ever had one of those dreams where you're suddenly standing in front of thousands of people and you're supposed to speak and you're wearing your pajamas? Um, so this object lesson might give me nightmares here, but we're gonna do it. I don't know if it's worth it. This has gotta really sink in here. So here I am and all this shame what I've done, what I used to be, the worst moments of my life, and to be exposed before everybody, and they know what kind of pajamas I wear now. <laughs> and it's embarrassing. And what if God sees me this way? But, but Jesus does something with this. Jesus removes our shame from us. Jesus, would you come please and, and remove my shame? This is Jesus. Thank you. Please, please take this shame from me, Lord. Thank you and, and cast it away. You see? That those, those are my Christmas pajamas. But, but then he does something else. Instead, he replaces shame with his glory, with his approval, like this nice leather jacket from the 1990s that I still have. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Oh, and by the way, how many of you appreciate Pastor Joe on the timpanis and playing those drums? He's amazing. Thank you. Lord Jesus, would you please remove my shame completely? From, thank you very much. C.S. Lewis, he writes this, for glory means good report with God, acceptance by God, response, acknowledgement, and welcome into the heart of things. The door on which we have been knocking all our lives will open at last. This is warm. 
taking it off. It's, it's Florida, it's like, I get to wear this like twice a year, that's why it's still in good shape. But you got a D on your test, but your father approves of you. You're sad, but he's healed the deep wound inside of you. Maybe you lost a loved one, but in Christ, goodbyes are never permanent. You messed up, but your father freely forgives you. Someone broke your heart, but Jesus loves you truly and passionately. You're lonely, but look around at the family that, that God is offering you. And you wonder if God can really use you if you're needed he can and you are. We need you here, in fact. Every difficulty is completely overwhelmed by the fact that he has given you everything. The joy of it is inexpressible and the ultimate approval awaits you, you good and faithful servant. So there are three steps I wanna give you just to kind of sum this up to building a joyful character. And the first one is this. Free yourself to act joyfully even when you feel unhappy. It's okay, you're free to do that. Secondly, insist on secret, quiet time with him. Insist on it. You need that. Don't let a day go by without it. And third, accept God's approval. If you've given your heart to him, if you've asked him for, your, for forgiveness, if you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you live under the same approval that Jesus did. No, of course you don't deserve it. That's why it's a gift. It's called grace. It's given to us. And when you take these steps, you can help other people without expecting them to say thank you. You don't need it because God's well done already has that covered for you. You can give cheerfully because you aren't trying to earn his favor. You've got it. You can radiate joy because it won't depend on how you're feeling that day. Would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. Nobody looking around. Just a moment between you and God. Now I know that in this place, on a day like today, it is certain that there are people who've been feeling God tugging at their hearts, and maybe that's you. You know God's been after you. You've been feeling a pull, a longing. That's the Holy Spirit. And you being here with all of us today, it's not an accident. God's arranged it. He's arranged it because he loves you. He knows what you've done. It's all right. He loves you. He's passionate about you. And he wants to give you a gift. And that's a free gift of eternal life, of complete forgiveness, and the beginning of a new life today. He offers this. No strings attached out of his love. And if that's you, I'm not gonna ask you to stand up or come up or any, any, anything like that but I do want an opportunity to pray for you. So in a moment, 
with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody, nobody's looking. If that's you, just a moment when I count to three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand if you'd like me to keep you in my prayers. Every Sunday night, my wife and I make a point to pray for you, all of those who've raised their hands. God would answer your prayers. And if that's you on the count of three, just lift your hand as soon as I see, your hands are already going up. As soon as I see it, you can put it right back down. One, two, three. I see your hand and your, there's hands all over and yours and yours and yours and yours and yours. Yes, and I see your hands, sir. Thank you and yours and yours. There's too many to count really. And yours and yours and yours and yours. Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, ma'am, I see your hand. And yours, yes, I see it, thank you. Can we just all pray together for the sake of those that raised your hand? And we're gonna say a prayer together as a church, folks. If you raised your hand, you can join us. And if you say this prayer repeating after us and you mean these words in your heart, this is a prayer that God always, he's promised in his word, he always says yes to. So if you would repeat after me, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned, but I know you sent your son to die for me, to take the punishment I deserve. You offer forgiveness, I ask your forgiveness. I ask for new life. And I take the Lord Jesus as my Lord and my Savior in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Can we give God glory for what just happened here? If that was you, you prayed that prayer for the first time, you meant it in your heart for the first time. This is your birthday, this is a new day for you. Could we all stand together? I'm gonna say a blessing over all of you, but as the prayer team comes forward to the altar, if anyone needs prayer today, before you leave, after this blessing, please come and receive prayer from one of our prayer team members. And if you raised your hand, I also wanna invite you to join those coming up for prayer. And mention that you raised your hand because we have a free gift for you. We have a book that we think will help you in this journey. But to receive your blessing, you can lift your hands, lift your hearts. May you be blessed with joy and laughter and the perspective that God has given you eternity. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a blessed new year, everyone.